0: Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. If you'll please stand with us and worship together.
1: i
2: While you're standing, take a moment and welcome those around you. All right, if you'll return to your seats, you may be seated. Let me extend a warm welcome to you since it's so cold outside. So good morning. It's warm inside, and so uh, we're thankful that you're here to worship with us on this cold, chilly uh, Sunday morning. If this is your first time, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, you are our guest, our visitor, and we want to just welcome you and just thank you for being here there's a couple ways you can let us know that this is your first time there's a connection card out in the foyer you can fill out or there's a qr code in the bulletin um, if you'll take just a moment um, you can scan that with your phone and fill out some information uh online we're glad that you're here let me go over some announcements there's a lot in your bulletin i'm just going to hit some highlights the things that are coming up the quickest So. Pay attention and study it later. Men's Ministry Breakfast this coming Saturday morning. We want you to be a part of that. We got a missions opportunity at the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. That information is in there. We need you to sign up if you are interested in serving. Men's and Women's Bible Study will resume um, on January 31st. Just make note of that. We got another Parents' Night Out coming up. Volunteers, if you're willing to help, whether you're youth or adults, please sign up. So Ms. Heather can know how much help that she has. Please sign up today, if you will. And then parents, you can sign your kids up in the coming weeks. And one last thing I wanna emphasize is Centricid. There is an interest meeting. If your child is interested in going to Centricid, which is a summer camp for kids, that interest meeting is this afternoon at 4.30 in the education building. That is for those who have completed second grade. So if you are currently in first grade, you will come, second grade. If you're currently in second grade, you'll complete that in May, which means you can go to camp. So completed second grade through completed sixth grade, Centric Kid is for you, so be here at 4.30. All right, so if you're watching online, for about the next 10 minutes, we have some missionaries that are with us this morning. And so just to kind of protect them and their privacy, and um, if you're watching online, you're gonna go dark here for about 10 minutes, and then you'll resume Uh, worship with us when they are done sharing so I'm gonna give Travis a second to do that um, and then we will introduce our missionaries
0: Couple, the sweet family. Um, Lord,
2: we just pray for your will to be done uh, in them and through them and around them. And just thank you for how you have provided for them. Thank you for how you have uh, brought our past across. And Lord, just continue to help us as a church uh, to support and encourage and pray and give um, because they're doing great work there. We see the gospel at work and we see the gospel advancing. And um, so just we pray for them. Lord, as we continue to worship, Chris comes and preaches. Uh, Lord, just draw us to yourself. Draw us to yourself and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together.
1: go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of this day to, to come out and to worship you and to hear your word, Lord. Thank you for this uh, uh, missionary family that, you, that you've sent uh, afar and, and brought them back, and may we, uh, may we uh, take heed to their, uh, their message that they bring through your word today, Lord. Father, we we thank you for the service that they they serve in the foreign land there, Lord. Father, may you uh, bless these tithes and offerings as we uh, collect as the furtherment of your kingdom, Father. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
2: Right, at this time, our children's church are going to make their way, and they'll meet out there pre-K, 3, 4, and kindergarten, and then first and second grade. So if you guys will make your way out, if you'll come, brother, and bring the word.
1: Good morning. I would like us to look together at Acts 1, 1 through 11. That's going to be our text today. Acts 1, 1 through 11. So before we read our text together, I wanted to share just a story to open about a missionary uh, from the 1700s. The person's name was William Carey. He's known to us as the father of the modern missionary movement. And William Carey... They were meeting in their churches in England, and he was a Baptist in England, and he preached a sermon, and he challenged his church, and he challenged his network of churches that he served of, to go and take the Great Commission to unreached people groups. He'd read the scripture, uh, God had called them to go do that, and he challenged his brothers to do that. So, what the Baptists did in that area of mid-England, they networked together and they formed a a mission agency and this mission agency appointed William Carey and they appointed another man named John Thomas as missionaries to India and William Carey ended up moving to the field in 1793 at a very successful missionary career he dealt with a lot of hardships if you're familiar with his story and his biography but he had a very successful missionary career in India and in 1793 uh, William Carey they had kind of a send-off service for him through their network of churches through this mission agency that was newly formed And remember back then, going to the mission field wasn't like today. We have the luxury of flying back here whenever we basically want to or need to, right? We're only a four-hour flight away. Some of you guys have been to Ecuador, it's close, and even if we were somewhere on the other side of the world, we could basically fly back whenever we needed to. Back then, it was basically a lifetime commitment to be a missionary. Back then, it was basically a death sentence to be a missionary. So William Carey and his family knew exact very well what they were signing up for. They were f- signing up for a lot of hardship. They were signing up for a lot of unknown, a lot of fears, a lot of sicknesses that they were unfamiliar with, and during this send-off farewell service, it was a uh, very powerful service. They prayed and spent time together all day. And after the service, Carey met with the four leaders of the newly formed missionary. One of the leaders, his name was Andrew Fuller. And Andrew Fuller described that farewell service after Carry was gone. He reflected back on it. And Andrew Fuller said, It was like as if William Carey and John Thomas, they said, I'll go down into this unknown unexplored mine this unexplored unexplored cave and they volunteered to go down into the unknown but they asked us to do one thing for them and that one thing they asked us to do was to hold the rope and that phrase was coined after this meeting that phrase hold the rope and that's going to be the title of our sermon and we're going to talk about how we can hold the rope for missionaries on the field. As they serve and as they are serving. So if you would, please uh, stand if you're able to. And please uh, join me in reading God's word. And we'll start in Acts chapter 1. And it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6 says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord for today. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for... This church, Lord, we thank you for this day to go and study your word. We thank you for the challenge that you give us through your word to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to be evangelistic in our daily lives, to support missionaries who are living on the field, to pray for them. And God, some of people in here may be called to go. And Lord, if that's the case, I pray that you would make that clear in their lives God I pray that you would be with us be with me as I share the word I pray that these would not be my words but they would be yours and that you would teach us all by the power of the Holy Spirit in your son Jesus name amen amen you may be seated so I want to say just again thank you so much for letting me preach here uh, it is a, pr- a privilege to share God's word uh, I-, I thought about maybe asking Pastor Aaron and Pastor Gary to do what we do in Ecuador so they get to preach in English in Ecuador, and then I translate into Spanish. So maybe I could preach in Spanish today, and they could translate into English. What we're going, what's happening? So I don't think that's going to work this morning, though. But I do want us to walk through this text together, look at it, think about that opening story, holding the rope, what that looks like for us as a local church here in Noonan, Georgia. And I want us to think about just different things this morning. But I'm going to focus in and spend most of our time on Acts 1.8. And one nine, and then if I start going long, my wife's going to raise her hand, and she's going to give me the signal, uh, because in Ecuador, a good sermon's a long sermon. So I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be careful, because I know that that's not always the case here. We're going to respect our time. But what we see in verses one through three, this is Luke writing kind of the second part to his gospel, and Luke already chronicled the life of Jesus in the gospel of Luke and it was chronicled in the other gospels as well so Luke is writing to a guy named Theophilus and he talks about he had taught he had written already about what Jesus commanded to do and preach and then Luke emphasizes this point in verse 3 he emphasizes the resurrection it says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs and he appeared to them 40 days and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God I think what we need to grasp from verses 1 through 3 and we need to remember this and we need to always remember this this is why we're here we're here this morning worshiping together because Jesus is alive Jesus really came and lived on this earth he lived a perfect life he died on the cross for our sins he died for the sins of his people and he rose up on the third day to prove that he had the power over sin and death And we know that by that act, and Luke wants us to grasp this here, by that resurrection act and because he spent time with people and the apostles and over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus, he taught for 40 more days, he spoke more about the kingdom of God. He really did all this and it's really, really true. The Bible is reliable. We can believe it. It was written by eyewitnesses. The Holy Spirit teaches us that it's true. And the story of Jesus is true. And because of that, because of this resurrected Christ, our salvation is secure. Our salvation is not secure because of the works that we're able to do or because how smart we are, because how much we read the Bible or how many mission trips we go on. Our salvation is secure because Jesus rose from the dead. And we need to remember that every Sunday we come and we celebrate the Lord's Day. We celebrate that resurrection. Every day in our families we should remember that gospel message. And may that gospel message always be fresh on our hearts. And may it be something that we don't take for granted because Jesus is alive. Right now he's ruling and he's reigning at the right hand of the Father. And one day he's coming back again to resurrect all of his people and to take back his people and to restore creation into that new heaven and the new earth. And that's really going to happen. And we need to believe that and continue to believe it and to hold fast to that truth every day. And that's really why we want to engage in the Great Commission. And that's why we want to hold the rope as a church for people who are going out and sharing the gospel on a consistent basis. So that's what we want to see from verses One through three, Jesus is alive. In verses four through five, what we see is that Luke recounts some things that Jesus said. And it says, while staying with them, in verse four, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, what's really neat is Jesus did ascend to heaven on that day, and the disciples were wondering what was going on. They were probably confused. They were saying, wait a minute, our Savior's alive again, and now he's gone from us. What are we going to do? But remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, well, you'll actually do greater things than I've done, and not greater things in the sense of the disciples be more powerful than him or anything like that, but they would spread the message farther than he was able to spread it in Galilee during his earthly ministry, and that was the task that he left them with. But he didn't leave them without a way to do it. He sent them the Holy Spirit to live inside of them, and that Holy Spirit lives inside each and every one of us who have confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and that Holy Spirit guides us through our lives. That Holy Spirit empowers us to share the gospel message. He empowers us to pray for people in their moment of need. He gives us the words to say when we lack words. He empowers us to uh, restore relationships within our families, and He empowers us to take this gospel message so Jesus didn't leave us empty but he had a plan and the plan was for at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 if we keep reading about the Acts of the Apostles and we keep reading this and I want to just make a side note here your homework for this week is to read Acts you'll see a lot of really cool things in the book of Acts that happen as the early church is starting. But we see this Pentecost event is where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers there, comes upon the disciples, and they actually speak in tongues at that time. They speak in different languages so that people can hear the gospel in their native language and understand the message of the gospel. So they weren't speaking gibberish at that time, but they were speaking in intelligible languages to share the gospel in frontier settings. So Jesus is alive. Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and we see that. And then we see kind of the response of the disciples in verses 6 and 7. And in verses 6 and 7, the disciples are asking Jesus the wrong questions. They do that from time to time. Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, it's not really for you to know the times or seasons, but the Father's got those fixed by his own authority. A lot of times in our lives, we ask God the wrong questions. We think, ...differently than what God's thinking, and that that makes sense. But the disciples were thinking, "All right, Jesus is alive, he's here with us again... ...and at this time, Israel's going to be restored and everything's going to get back to normal here on earth. And that's really his main focus. But we know that Jesus' focus was larger than just restoring the physical kingdom of Israel at that point in time. We know Jesus came to bring redemption to every part of creation... We know that Jesus came to save all of his people. We know that Jesus came to call sinners to himself into salvation. And we could say that that applies to us as well. If Christ has called you, and Jesus came for that purpose as well. So we think about the disciples' focus is a little bit too narrow now. And Jesus really explains his purpose here in Acts 1.8. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning in this text it says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so that is this great commission text in Acts 1 8 it parallels the great commission text at the end of Matthew that we're so familiar with and Jesus says that the disciples are going to receive power they're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit They're going to receive that same Holy Spirit that came on the prophets, the priests and kings in the Old Testament that empowered them to do God's will. They're going to receive that same Holy Spirit that gave special revelation and guidance and power to the prophets way back in the Old Testament. And what we see here, we see that Jesus gave the disciples a task. He gave them a task to take the gospel message out to the ends of the earth, to start where they were and then kind of go out in these concentric circles. If we can imagine a circle around uh, Judea and then a bigger circle around Samaria and then a bigger circle that encompasses all of the ends of the earth. And the epicenter for this gospel message going out, it's kind of like an earthquake that propagates out from its point of, of origin in the epicenter. And that gospel message started right there in Galilee, right there in Jerusalem, right there in that time, and that gospel message would create ripple effects through all people, through all tribes, through all tongues, and through all um, people throughout the rest of history until Jesus decides to come back for that second time. But the key is that Jesus didn't leave them alone. He didn't give them this big task and say, all right, go figure it out on your own. No, Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. So when we think about this idea of holding the rope, Jesus is the one who held the rope first for his disciples. He's the one who empowered them to go out. And the rest of the book of Acts, what we see in the rest of the book of Acts, is we see it's a story, essentially, or it's a narrative of events that were really true about the apostles going out and starting churches. Uh, We think about Paul. He took four missionary journeys all around the Mediterranean. There's probably a map in your Bible that you can look at, and you can kind of see the ground he covered and, talk about and remember how his journeys were he traveled mostly by boat but some by foot and these guys devoted their lives to going out and sharing the good news of the gospel wherever they could go and many of the other disciples went to other parts of that modern world and those are not recorded in the book of acts because acts mainly focus on Paul's missionary journeys, but we know that they took the gospel to other places. So you can imagine they had this big team meeting after Pentecost and said, all right, Peter, you go this way. Paul, you go this way. John, you go this way. Paul wasn't around then, but uh, John, go that way. God had in mind Paul was going to go to around the Mediterranean. And we think about those missionary journeys. We think about that moment and we think about what they did. And if we look at their ministry at that time, basically what they did was they shared the gospel and they planted churches. They started churches in all these points. Now, that made me think about, what does the local church really do? Why is the local church so important? And as an organization, this is why we are so committed to evangelism that leads to church planting. Because evangelism in itself, if we share the gospel with people, we know that we have to be involved with a local body of believers to use and exercise our spiritual gifts that we have that the Holy Spirit gives to us at the moment of salvation. So if someone just gets saved but they don't get involved in in the local church, really I don't think that that's a complete picture of what God has for us. There's something special about the local church. There's a reason why we gather every Sunday. There's a reason why each and every one of you are here. There's a reason why you're going to do some of the events that you do that Pastor Aaron mentioned, a men's prayer breakfast, take the kids to camp. There's reasons for that, and the reason is community. The reason is to advance the gospel. The reason is to make this community around Northside look different than it did. And if Northside were somehow taken out of this community, that the community would feel it because of what you all do here as a local church. And I really believe that's God's design for the local church. If you look with me in Acts chapter 4, just a couple pages over, I'm going to talk about what the local church does here for a moment, because this is part of this command to go. It's part of God's command to go. Yes, we preach the gospel. Yes, we evangelize. But yes, we establish local churches. So Acts 4, 32 through 35 It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of these things belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many who were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as he had any need. So if we think about this, this is the design for the local church. It was for the believers to have one heart and one soul. They were to all have one goal and one focus, and that goal and focus is to worship God and to reflect His glory into their community. They took care of each other. They focused on the needs of the folks in the church first, but then they looked out to the needs of their community. And they met those as they could. And I am sure that at Northside and at every other church that we partner with as a family, I'm sure you all do a great job of that, of looking out into the community. I'm sure you do a great job of preaching the gospel in your community. It says, um, and so, so they had this goal. And I thought about what, how local churches pos- positively impact their local communities. The first thing they do is they reach people for Christ in their community. They evangelize folks who are around them. They plant additional churches in nearby locations or maybe far away. That's one of the functions of the local church. They see an area that says, wait a minute, they don't have a church over there. Or wait a minute, there's a place across the world that we want to focus in on planting this church. They take care of the needy within the congregation. They take care of the needy within their community. They make their community a more positive and safer place. They send out more missionaries. And this is how we see local churches positively impacting The community. And that was God's design from the beginning. That's why the apostles went out. That's why Paul went out and planted these local churches in areas. And that's why our family and our ministry and our organization, PESCA, is so committed to planting healthy local churches in communities because we believe that the local church can reach people more effectively than Madeline and I can just two of us, because if we can get a local church in Patate, if we can get a local church in Pelileo, if we can get several local churches around a city like Ambato, we know that those local churches are going to be consistently reaching out to their community, consistently winning people to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel, consistently thinking about other areas where they can plant local churches, and that's what we've seen. We've seen churches get healthy in Ecuador, and when they think about the Great Commission, when they think about it, they think about, all right. I know there's a community about 20 minutes away, those guys would never come over to our church because of transportation, because of logistics, because they can't get there on foot, so we need a church over there. Let's go start a Bible study over there. Let's go start a ministry over there and maybe God would start a local church and that local church could win people to Christ in their community. God could use the proclamation of the gospel through that local church in this new community and draw people to himself as they hear the gospel. So that is the focus of church planting. That's why we're so committed to church planting and church strengthening. And that's why we're so committed to doing ministry alongside local churches where we live. And that's why at Northside and at other churches around here, we should be so committed to what God's doing here and how God can use us to minister to other people. So Jesus empowered the disciples to go and he also commands us to go. So we're, we're, we're not off the hook. We can't say, well, Jesus did that. To, this, is, this was really just written to the disciples. No, this book was written to us as well. So when we get to Acts 1.8, it says, but you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we are God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I really believe that God places a call on some people's lives and some people's hearts to go and serve cross-culturally. I wouldn't be in Ecuador right now unless God called me to go. And when I was, um, when I took a short-term mission trip about age 20, I'd never been out of the country before. I'd never been on a plane before that I could remember. And I get on this plane, I show up in Ecuador, and God used it to call me back the next summer And he used a one-week trip to call me into a summer internship-type trip. And I spent three months in Ecuador that following summer, and God used that summer. He used Matthew 5, 14 through 16 as I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew during a quiet time one day. And Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You're the light of the world. City on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but they put it on a stand so that it may give light to all that's around it and that other people may see the light inside of you, see your good works and give glory to the Father. And at that moment, I identified with the person who was foolish in putting the basket on top of the light and I identified with that. And God used it to convict me first and then he used it to call me. He said, Chris, I, I really want, you, I, I felt like God was saying, I want your light to shine before others and I wanna use you here in Ecuador as a missionary in the future. And I felt called and to this, to this moment, to this day, I still feel called to serve in Ecuador. My wife had a similar calling experience on her, and God put us together, and we're serving in Ecuador right now together. But we have that call, and I received that call because I believe in the sovereignty of God, number one, but I really believe that my local church played an impact in that. Our local church took a mission trip to Ecuador, to a place where really they didn't know much about, but we show up in Ecuador, and God used that to call me into international ministry and i believe that god could do that with some people here at northside parents cover your ears right now don't listen don't listen but no but but seriously god may be calling some people some children some youth who come on a trip it may make a lifetime impact on them as you come and serve alongside of our family and alongside of the ministry in Ecuador. So I really do believe God calls some people to go and live cross-culturally for the purpose of evangelism and church planting, but I also believe that God calls people to go temporarily for evangelism and church planting, and that's how we can fulfill and help fulfill this great commission. Uh, We can go. We can take a short-term trip. We can pray for missionaries. We can give to missionaries, all that sort of thing, and I think sometimes a lot of people what they think is, well, I don't know if I'm going to make a big impact. I don't, I don't speak their language. I'm not sure if I can make a big impact. I don't even know if this is going to be effective. What we're doing. A lot of people have those kind of questions about short-term trips and sending teams and all of that. But what we know, what we know from the Bible, is that in Revelation seven nine through ten, we see this image of a great throne room, and it said, I looked and behold a multitude that no one could number, from every nation, tribe, and peoples, and languages, standing before the throne, and from the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. So what we see here is there's all tribes, tongues, and nations. God has written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the people who are going to be called and the people who are going to be saved. And some of those folks are out there in Ecuador right now. They're also in other nations, and they haven't heard the proclamation of the gospel yet. And God might use your group. God might use your sermon, your message. God might use your interaction with the child there to, they hear the gospel in a way that they understand it, and God uses that to call him to himself. And we get to play a part as a church In this great commission by going. And we know, we know that people are going to respond. We know that salvation doesn't depend on our own self. We know that it it doesn't depend on our own strength. And we know that God uses the proclamation of the gospel to call people. And I really believe that there's a calling and a job for everyone to participate in the great commission, whether you go and serve long term or whether you serve short term. So let's talk about how we can hold the rope. And this is kind of how I want to conclude the sermon, or land the plane this morning, is how can we hold the rope as a church here in the U.S.? I want to give you three words. There are three words that you've heard before. Pray, give, and go. Pray, give, and go. You've heard those probably many times, but really, number one, prayer happens first. It's the most important. Please pray for our family. Please pray for other missionaries that you have contacts with. Please, please pray. We deal with Wild situations on a daily basis uh, in Ecuador. We deal with uh, it, it, times of spiritual warfare. We deal with a lot of those things that I don't have time to get into w- during the sermon, but please pray. You don't know what missionaries are dealing with um, on, on a daily basis. You don't know what our local churches are going through on a daily basis, but please pray. We share some prayer requests in our newsletter updates. Pray for those prayer requests. If you have a uh, card, a prayer card for our family on your fridge or something like that. When you see it, please pray for us. We need your prayers. And I believe that uh, God uses the prayers of his people to encourage us and to bless us. Another thing that you can do is we send out emails occasionally throughout the year, just updates. The emails have a reply button on them. But missionaries need encouragement. We love hearing from you guys. When we get a reply from the email, man, I'm like, hey, we got a reply. We heard from so-and-so you know, and it was just an encouraging, it's encouraging to hear from our local churches, hear from friends who are back here, and just that, hey, we're praying for you. It's encouraging when people ask me how my wife's doing and how things are going with her. So please pray, and please send us encouraging notes. Also do that for all missionaries that you know and have contact with. Uh, Please give. Missionaries need funding, otherwise we would have to go find something else to do. God's graciously blessed our family right now, so please give. We just had a season as SBC Churches where we give to the Lottie Moon offering. Please give to that. Please continue to give to Lottie Moon as that goes straight to international missions. But also consider giving to independent missionaries like us who are fundraising missionaries um, who serve in places that the IMB may or may not send missionaries. So uh, we really felt called to serve in Ecuador. We couldn't do that through... Um, through conventional means within our our convention, so we had to find a different way to do it, and God provided. So please continue to give. Not only give to missionaries, but give to projects that are going on. Um, Give to a local church that's going on. And then go. Please come and serve with us on the field. We live in a country where it is uh, just vital to have teams there serving alongside of us. We love having teams. We, Our organization, Pesca, is equipped to receive teams, and we have fairly comfortable living quarters. We have good food, and we have all those things ready uh, to get teams from point A to point B so that you can serve. It's a big deal what you guys did. You came into that school. You helped with the desks. You helped with Bible school. All of that allows us to... Um, get inroads into communities and what our goal is as a family is after you guys leave our goal is to go and start church planning efforts and follow-ups in those types of communities so we want to get the church um, established in kind of that main area that main hub but then we want to look to sub-communities out there and and figure out how to get into those sub-communities so short-term teams are huge for us And I think you also are blessed as you come and serve and hear stories of our staff members, hear their testimonies. You hear the testimony of Stephen Carroll and their faithfulness over 35 plus years of ministry. And it's just an incredible thing that you get to be a part of and that God allows you to be a part of. So when you go, um, you are helping fulfill that great commission and you are holding the rope. And also, when you hold the rope, you make an impact. So you make an impact. I want to share just a quick story Madeline shared with you earlier about Hiro at the medical clinic and Hiro received medicine because of the commitment of a short-term team. Um, A short-term team came and helped us build our house. They helped pour columns on our house. That made a big impact for our family. A short-term team has come and served at Backyard Bible Clubs in Patate and those Backyard Bible Clubs have grown and are doing great things. So we started a backyard Bible club or two of our staff members, Diana and Esteban, they're locals in Patate and they started that backyard Bible club and we've been able to kind of come alongside that and help and some of our short-term teams have come and served with that and that has been just incredible. Uh, We've seen towns receive the gift of an evangelical church because of the prayers and commitments of short-term teams that came and people that were holding the rope. We've seen a church get established in a town where there hasn't been a theologically viable church. So we started this Baptist church in Pelileo, and a church from the U.S. helped purchase land so that this church can have a building to meet in and land to uh, construct on in the future as they grow and draw people in the community. And that church is growing, and that church is doing wonderful things because a church in Melbourne, Florida, wanted to partner with a church in Pelileo, Ecuador. And that really is the goal of what we're trying to do. We would love for Northside to have a church-to-church partnership with a church plant that happens in uh, a sub of Patate. We would love for that to happen. We're praying for that to happen. We're praying for more partnerships of churches that we want to get started and we're praying that churches like Northside would come and commit to serving alongside this local church, encouraging them in ways that you couldn't encourage them from here. But when you come down, it makes a huge difference when you hold the rope and support our family you're able to give steady work to foundation employees people that work for our foundation and when you hold the rope you're able to ultimately see the fruit of this and our local church for example this year we baptized one person and we have some more people that are on the dock to get baptized next year so when you hold the rope all of those outcomes uh, happen and God uses it and God blesses it And God allows all of us to be a part of it. So I would encourage you to just continue holding the rope. And in conclusion, we just want to say thank you. So we want to conclude with a thank you. As Paul often concluded or began some of his letters with a thank you. Thank you for what you've already done for people in Ecuador. Thank you for what you're going to continue to do for people in Ecuador. And I want to encourage you as a church to continue holding the rope the rope. Continue praying for our family, continue praying for folks there, continue giving, and continue going. We really need that. So I want to end and conclude this sermon with Philippians 1, 3 through 6, and then I'll tell you how you can connect with us, keep up with us, and all that. So Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you my making prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That's what we're praying for. We're praying that God will bring those good works that we desire to do together to completion as we serve together. And I believe that as you continue to hold the rope, as you continue to focus on missions and ministry here, a little bit outside of here, and over there that God will continue to bless your church. God will continue to give you fresh vision. God will continue to allow you to um, be a part of of winning souls to Christ, and God will bless you as we focus on all these things together. Uh, Let me pray as we conclude, and then I will uh, tell you guys how you can keep in touch with us. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message, this challenge from the Great Commission that we hear. Um, oftentimes, uh, at least once a year. But God, I pray that it would be fresh this morning. I pray that people would remember who you are, what you've done for them. I pray that they would be inspired to continue to hold the rope for missionaries all around the world and continue to hold the rope for our family as we serve. We thank you for the partnership that we have with Northside. We thank you for um, all these people here this morning. And we thank you most and most, uh, for Jesus, for sending him to die on the cross for our sins and for saving us, Lord. We love you in your son Jesus' name amen amen so if you want you can keep up with us Uh, we have cards out there on a table we have a newsletter that we send out about every quarter and those uh, cards on the table tell you how you can give if you felt led to give above your tithes and offerings to Northside. our family is going to be able to stay on the mission field and continue to do ministry through manageable monthly contributions from individuals within churches. So that's really the only way we're going to be able to stay there. So if you would just prayerfully consider giving, please pray for us. And uh, all that same information out there is out on the table. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Chris. If you will please uh, stand and sing one last song with us.
2: you to connect with our missionary uh, couple. So if you guys want to make your way out to the foyer right now, they're going to be out there. You can stop by and chat with them and pick up some information um, on that. We've been ending our service for the last several uh, months with the Great Commission. So we're going to put that on the screen before we say it. We've been doing this every week, not just to get up and just quote it over and over and over, but that this would be an act of worship that you would memorize this, that you would live sin. Let me just remind you, that in these verses there's only one imperative only one command we think it's the command to go but it's not that's as you go the command is to make disciples and jesus in luke chapter 6 says he's trying to raise up fully trained disciples you are to be fully trained to be fully trained means you look and you live like jesus you be a disciple but to be fully trained means you go make disciples you see other people come to faith in Christ and you see them through a local church through discipleship become like Christ this is the Great Commission so would you say it with me and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age church go live sent